Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan. What a joy it is to be with you today as we dive into the facts of thriving in short-term rentals for long-term wealth. Today, we are with an investor named in 2020 by the Wall Street Journal as one of their top 100 and by Newsweek as a top 500 agent. She and her team at The Term Shop focus exclusively on vacation and short-term rentals. They have closed over $1 billion in real estate sales since 2017 and investor herself with a portfolio of over 100 doors. Our guest, Avery Carl, specializes in connecting investors with short-term rentals with the highest return on investment potential. And then she trains them to manage their rentals from their smartphone from anywhere in the world. So Avery, take us off today by sharing an experience from your formative years that helped you to be who you are today. Well, I went to college at University of Texas on a soccer scholarship. So at the risk of sounding like a complete jock, athletics growing up and college athletics really helped kind of shape me career-wise in terms of just work ethic and you know keeping at it and, and making th- things happen. So I really can attribute a lot of my success to having come up in athletics. So you went to UT, huh? Mm-hmm. UT. Well, I actually worked at Texas A&M, your <laughs> arch rival. Right, right. <laughs> so, so anyway, same stopping grounds. Mm-hmm. How long were you in Texas? About six years. About six years. That's <laughs> about how long I was there. Six years too long for me. <laughs> glad, uh, glad, glad to be out of Texas. Okay, <laughs> so let's get into short-term rentals. And how is it that you go about choosing the correct markets? Okay, so short-term rentals or Airbnbs, is that's something that a lot of investors are getting into now. It's now kind of becoming a more established asset class and not just like a bunch of kids renting their couches to each other. A lot of a lot of older school investors are now accepting it as a true asset class and yeah, and actually buying vacation rentals. So there are three types of markets that you can invest in short-term rentals. First one would be metro markets. So like Austin, Nashville, Los Angeles. The second would be the big, I call them fly to vacation markets. So the big expensive vacations that people have to save all year to go on, like flying to Hawaii or flying to Aspen. And then the markets that I personally focus on for my own portfolio and for my clients are the regional drivable vacation rental markets. So these are the areas that people, the majority of the tourists that are going there are driving there within five to eight hours of their houses. The reason that these are my favorite is because they're typically areas where short-term rentals have been being rented since well before Airbnb, even the internet in some cases. So like I'm sitting in Destin, Florida right now, and the first vacation rentals were opened here in the 20s. And that was before there was even electricity in some on some of the beaches. So been around a really long time. Same thing in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, Gatlinburg. People have been going to Gatlinburg since the 60s and renting cabins. So these are areas that 
historically, people have not been renting hotels. They've been renting cabins, beach houses, condos, things like that, that are privately owned by investors. So those markets are typically the safest in terms of regulations because the battle for regulations happened decades ago. The cities and counties figured out how to monetize short-term rentals through small local occupancy taxes. So they're not fighting that battle now. Like Nashville, for example, where I used to live, constant battle between the city and the short-term rental owners because typically people coming to Nashville have always stayed in hotels up until about 10 years ago. Then Airbnb happened, a lot of investors moving in, opening up many hotels on what were previously quiet streets where people were raising their kids. So hotels and a lot of primary homeowners do not mix well with short-term rental rules. So that's why we kind of stick to those regional drivable vacation markets because the rules are very well established. They're not going to be changing anytime soon because the cities and counties are too financially dependent on them. And then also they're accessible and affordable. So in a downturn, you know, people can't afford to fly to Aspen, but they will drive to the Smoky Mountains. And then last year when people didn't want to get sick with COVID, they didn't want to fly anywhere or go to any big metro markets, but they did want to get out of their houses. So they would drive their cars and stay in their in control of their own environment two places like this. So that's why I stick personally with the regional drivable vacation markets. Well, the difference between buying an Airbnb and a vacation rental investing, what what's what's the difference there? You've mentioned both. And to me, they're the same. So what's what's the difference there? Right. So I consider just like an Airbnb or a short-term rental, really just anything in any market. Like you could buy the house next door to you and turn it into an Airbnb. A vacation rental is like in a true tourism dependent vacation market. So these are areas that are only people going on vacation. You know, it's not people coming to work or anything like that. So the true vacation market rentals. Places like Gatlinburg and so are you so you're familiar with Highlands, North Carolina, mm-hmm. Highlands Cashers area. Well, mm-hmm. do you consider that a true vacation rental spot or is it kind of a mix? So I have not been there personally. I've just kind of heard about it. So it's I would guess it was pro- probably kind of a mix. It it does fit the regional drivable thing, but I have not been there personally to really see like what the hotel presence is like. So it's hard for me to say. What do you think? I think it's probably a mix. Like you mentioned in Florida, they've been doing that for the since the 1920s. Well, they've been doing the same thing here in the in the Highland Cashers, uh, Silva, Dillsboro area. They've been doing that same thing there, but it's become more of a second home kind of environment rather than I think primarily a uh, a short term rental kind of environment there. And then mm-hmm. also, I'm wondering about Asheville because you had mentioned that the regulations have in terms of vacation rentals happened a long time ago, but Asheville is really in the midst of fighting over that and they are changing their regulations considerably in conjunction with Airbnb. But it has been a vacation rental spot for the last century. So I'm not sure why they are now fighting over that. I don't know if it's the big hotels coming in and saying, we don't want these Airbnbs competing with us or, or what exactly is going on there. But I know many investors have been involved in that uh, that dilemma there. Well, anyway, so how do you analyze a potential vacation rental for optimal ROI? Just for me, looking outside, looking in, it seems to me like it is a risky endeavor. 
So it's definitely different than analyzing other types of investments. So to give a little perspective, I have 100 doors total. Only eight of them are short-term rentals. Everything else is long-term multis, long-term single families, things like that. Like a a multi-unit apartment building is really easy to analyze. It fits really nicely into a spreadsheet. The rent is the rent and that's what it is every month until somebody moves out. And unless you make a big upgrade, that's typically what the rent's going to be. It might raise a little bit every year, but really easy to analyze because things don't change. With short-term rentals, it's very much a range because the performance of the property is really more dependent on the manager than it is the property itself. So two people can own the exact same property next door to each other and do completely different numbers based on how they manage it. So it is it's a little bit more difficult to wrap your head around than just looking at a spreadsheet of a 10-unit apartment building. There are a few ways. I, I always encourage people to get as many data points as possible because there are a lot of different data sources out there that measure these types of things. AirDNA is one of them, which is a data service that specializes in measuring the performance of short-term rentals that are on Airbnb and VRBO. So it's a data scrape of everything on those websites and really good data. I mean, it's, it's pretty good data, really good in terms of what we're able to get as just normal people. Another good resource is, so there's a pricing manager that you use to help dynamically price your property called Price Labs once you already own a property. But I recommend people getting a subscription to that before they buy a property because there's a function within Price Labs called the market dashboards, which also is pulling data from all the properties in the market to kind of see how they're performing. Uh, Another place to get good data are the big national property management companies that are you know backed by venture capital or private equity. So they have unlimited money to gather all this data that us regular people don't, or we regular people don't have. So checking with them on different markets, they have lots of good data too. So I recommend getting as many data points as possible for your analysis when you're trying to figure out what a property should be able to do, as well as the short-term shop. We use something called the enemy method in conjunction with looking at the data because There's a lot of things that data can't tell you intangible wise. So the enemy method is basically where you just get on the booking platforms like Airbnb and VRBO and zoom in on the neighborhood that you want to buy in and look at your quote enemies or your neighbors and see if there are any outliers that might be dragging the data up or down. So, you know, if you're looking at a four bedroom property and you do the enemy method and your neighbor has really terrible pictures and they never answer. They're really unresponsive. So responsiveness is what moves your listing up and down in the listing in the, in the search function. So if you're super responsive and somebody's looking for your dates, your property is going to come up first. So if somebody next door to you isn't responsive, their property is like the, they have old flip phone pictures and it's blurry and it's just definitely really inferior to your property that will pull the data down. Or conversely, if there's like a really, really nice property, also four bedrooms, maybe it's got an indoor pool and all this crazy stuff that is definitely superior to the property that you're looking at, then that's going to pull the data one way or the other. So you want to use as many data points as possible, plus the enemy method to analyze these things. We'll be right back after a brief announcement. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. 
Steve Tucker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steetalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Well, that brings up a question for me. What is it that guests are actually looking for when they're looking for a vacation rental? So it's really nothing too crazy. If you're going to, if you, you know, if you want to go on a beach vacation, you're just looking for like a cute, nice place to stay that meets your criteria. So it's not necessarily anything too crazy. A lot of people, when they start looking to buy short-term rentals, they say, oh, well, I want to target this type of person, or I want to target that type of person. I want to target families. If you're buying in the right market, you shouldn't have to worry about targeting any specific type of person because there will be enough tourism for, say, you know, a three bedroom property that people are just going to rent it. So as long as it is on par with what tourists have come to expect in that area, you don't have to go nuts with over improving. Well, what do you recommend for your clients? One bedrooms, two bedrooms, three bedrooms or larger? So there's no wrong way to do it, but the four bedroom and up mark has the highest return on investment. With that being said, one through threes will totally do exactly what you need them to do, assuming you're able to get them at the right price, of course. But there does have to be a clear winner, and that would be the four bedroom properties. But I mean, I own everything from a studio to two two bedrooms to a three bedroom up to five beds. And I'm never going to sell my one through three beds because they're doing what I want them to do. So I would say just buy what you're comfortable investing in, like buy what you're comfortable with. Don't stretch yourself just because someone said, oh, the bigger ones make more money. They do. But that's no reason to get yourself you know, upside down. Well, I can see why the larger ones would have a better return on investment per guest or per booking. But I would also think that they would be more difficult to book. Is that the case? or They're not difficult to book, but my smaller ones have a higher occupancy rate, but the larger ones just book at so much more per night that you just make so much more money cash on cash return wise that it makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. So actually they could be available for you personally to use more regularly <laughs> than, than the smaller places. So they there could be, be some pluses to that uh, as well there. Well, the other issue, of course, with uh, short-term rentals is the management of those. And you say that you can do that remotely from anywhere and actually do it via your telephone. Mm-hmm. Uh, walk us through that process of management. Sure. So you can do it all right from your smartphone. You just need the Airbnb and VRBO apps, or if there are other platforms you want to use, that's fine too. And then you need just a few pieces of software. So the first one is a channel manager. So a channel manager, a piece of tech that brings together all of your listings on all of the platforms into one dashboard. So if you want to make an edit, it will automatically edit it on Airbnb and VRBO and you know wherever else you have it. It also automates a lot of the communication. So when somebody books, it auto sends them, you know, instructions or you can set it to send them whatever you want. We have it set to where I think we send a thank you for booking message a day before they check in. It sends them the directions, check-in instructions, Wi-Fi password, passcode to get in the door, all that. We have one that checks in on them like two days in and says, Hey, how are you doing? It's Luke and Avery. Welcome to our place. Hope you like it. Check out our favorite hike. You know, you personalize it. And then we have another one that automatically sends the day before checkout with their checkout instructions. It also syncs with all of 
all calendar platforms so that your cleaner is automatically notified when somebody books so that you don't have to handle all that. It just automatically puts it on their Google Calendar, iCal, or whatever they use. And then you also need a pricing manager. So pricing managers are constantly pulling past and present booking data, analyzing what's going on in the area, whether it's holidays or there's certain things going on like conferences, things like that, and dynamically prices you at the highest price possible that you're able to get. Actually, when we first started, the pricing managers weren't really a thing yet. We were doing it all manually. And when we started using a pricing manager, we used Price Labs, our income went up about 20%. So you just need those few things. You need a smart lock, smart thermostat, and smart camera. And then you just need, as far as boots on the ground, a cleaner and a handy person. You can build everything out from there. But with that channel manager software, your porter is the name of the one that we use. You really don't... like You're not really ever having to individually respond to people. It kind of takes care of everything. And you only really have to respond to something if somebody asks something very, very specific, like, hey, where do you keep your spatulas? So for one property, it takes maybe 30 minutes over the course of the week. So it's really not not too difficult at all. It still seems like there's going to be a big headache in keeping your cleaner in particular, keeping them happy, finding reliable cleaners. How do you do that? So that's a really good question. In again, if you're buying in the right market where this is a big industry, it's not going to be very difficult to find cleaners. But like I grew up in Starkville, Mississippi. If I go try and buy a short-term rental in Starkville, Mississippi, where there might be 10 of them, I'm going to have to find just someone who typically cleans houses like primary homes and try to train them on how to do an Airbnb. That would be a giant pain. But there are tons of cleaners in the markets that we're in that have either worked for big property management companies that they all kind of have their processes. So it's in the cleaner's best interest to clean well and to let you, make sure they're letting you know if anything needs to be replaced or if anything's out of place. Because if you're getting bad reviews and you're not getting booked because you're getting bad reviews, the cleaner is also not working. So your cleaner is kind of like your mini property manager. They're keeping an eye on everything for you. But typically we'll have our handyman or someone else in the market, like maybe once a month, just go check after the cleaner just to just a spot check. But for the most part, it's in everyone's best interest, even the cleaners for them to do a good job. And you're actually getting continuous feedback, I guess, from the guests. So you're having a pretty good idea as to whether or not your cleaner is doing what it is that they need to do. Mm -hmm. There are some short-term rental agencies in in our neck of the wood who actually do that initial, I guess you would call it the bed turned down and they put uh, chocolates on the pillows and there's flowers in the home when the first guest arrives there. Do you do any of those kind of things? Is it necessary or is it not necessary? Does it increase your ratings? Does it increase your uh, essentially your profitability? We used to, when we first started, we used to have a little gift basket with like cookies and teas and things like that. And we found that the guests Never, didn't really appreciate it. As a matter of fact, they would complain that like, oh, I actually prefer peanut butter cookies and you left me chocolate chip. So we just stopped bothering with it and it found that it hasn't affected anything whatsoever. Well, that is good to know because that seemed yeah. like quite a pain to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I can see why. Yeah, you could even get complaints in conjunction with that. So the pricing manager, the software, your porter, is actually giving you feedback continuously in terms of, so you can adjust your rates really on a weekly basis. Is that correct? 
So it automatically adjusts them for you. You can set like a a minimum price that Mm -hmm. you're okay with and a maximum and it adjusts within those parameters. So it automatically does it for you. Okay. So I can see why that would increase your ROI considerably over time. And you don't even have to worry about it. Wow. That is quite a deal there. So you've given us kind of a general idea in terms of what areas are the areas that you look at. How would you go about, like in the area that I live in, so in North Carolina Mm -hmm. in particular, how would I test out a market? If I'm looking at a property and I'm going, I'm not sure whether this would appeal to to the short-term market or not. How could I test that out? So the easy way is now that this is a really big industry, there are lots and lots of lists online from reputable sources giving you lists of the best places to invest in short-term rentals. But if you wanted to come to the idea independently without using Google, so like if you think of any place that you went, maybe with your parents growing up where you stayed in a house, cabin, condo, rather than a hotel, that's a good place to start. The second thing you want to do is look at what the regulations are because... You don't want to buy something and then realize I see people in Facebook groups all the time. Not, not anybody that I know, just like random people. I saw one the other day who said, Oh, Hey y'all, I bought a house in St. Augustine. Didn't realize that I'm not allowed to Airbnb it. So I guess I'm going to do 30 day traveling nurse stays now. So you don't want to be that person. So check the regulations. That's the most important thing. If you're thinking like, Oh yeah, I think I would like to own a place there. And I think it could probably do well on short-term rental. Where do I start? Start with the regulations for sure. And then start looking at all the data and see how, if it makes sense versus the purchase price that you're able to get it for. Well, Avery, you shared with us a great deal of information. It's been really informative. So tell our viewers and listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more from you. Yeah. So you can get me at www.theshorttermshop.com or on Instagram at theshorttermshop. Okay. And you also have a Facebook presence, right? Yes. Yes. We do have a a Facebook group called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, which is the title. I keep forgetting that I wrote a book. Came out two weeks ago on Bigger Pockets Publishing. It's on Amazon. It is called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Well, you want to remember that from now on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, Avery, for our last question today, share with us one of your most difficult setbacks in life. How did you come through that time and what did you learn from that experience? So probably the most difficult setback was my mom had a bout with breast cancer about five and a half years ago now. So she's just past her five-year mark in her remission. And that just definitely, I was in my mid-20s, definitely kind of uh, set me on the right path of what is most important, which at the time I was working a corporate job for nothing that I hated. And it was kind of around then that I realized like I want something more freedom, something better for myself than just sitting in this desk all day waiting for this manager to bestow upon me a $10,000 a year raise. So that kind of kicked me in the butt a little bit to, to go make that happen. All righty. Well, Avery, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com. 